Let us pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to be strong and courageous for your glory, knowing that you have won for us the victory, and you have already made us citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Help us to live in this truth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Please be seated. So I've, I've heard that there's a big game of some sort today. There's a rumor, apparently. But Ben told me it's not till four, so I told him that, well, that gives me like a good solid three hours if I, if I really want. No, don't, don't worry. Well, maybe worry a little bit, but... <clears throat> But think about, think about this game. I know it's the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm mostly joking, but I'm not a huge sport fan. But imagine one of the teams knew that they were going to win. All right? they, had, they had confidence that they were going to be the winner of the game. Of course, at the professional level, this is not as great of an example as at the, at the uh, amateur level, which is as high as I've ever gotten with sports. <clears throat> but imagine they won. And they would come onto this field with confidence. Some might say, well, that would be boring for everybody involved. But if you know that something good is going to happen, it gives you confidence to play with all of your might and maybe try things that you might not otherwise try. To be bold and not be afraid of making mistakes. It would give you confidence. It would give that team the confidence to go out and play as they've never played before. This morning, we had a lesson from the very first chapter of the book of Joshua, in which Joshua is commanded to go into the promised land as Moses had died. This promised land points to our promise, which God has given us in Christ. But we must ask some questions before we dive too deep into this. Why, for example, did we have to wait for Moses to die? Or perhaps why did Israel have to wander for 40 years in the wilderness before they were permitted to enter in to the promised land? First, Moses was not permitted to enter into the promised land because Moses flagrantly disobeyed God. In Numbers chapter 20, God had told Moses to talk to a rock and tell it to pour out water for his people. In the past, Moses has had to strike the rocks or do other things with his staff. So instead of doing what God said and simply telling the rock to pour out this water, Moses struck it and disobeyed God. And for this, God told Moses, you will not enter the promised land. But if we go to the chapter immediately before, we know Moses was at least allowed to view the promised land before he died. He had a vision of it, and then he went to his rest. The other side of it is, I think, a little more important, although we must remember if we're called to do something, we're called to obedience. The other reason is that God led Israel through the desert for 40 years, for one whole biblical generation. They followed God so that they might see his faithfulness. 
It acted to remind them that God is faithful. God is faithful in all circumstances. And we see this recalling of his faithfulness in the wilderness throughout Scripture. There are Psalms in which everything that he did is recalled. And we're reminded of his faithfulness. In judgment, in the book of Jeremiah, in the second chapter, God points back to this and says, Did I not lead you through this wilderness, through this barren land, and provide all that you needed, and then brought you in to the land of plenty? Did I not do this for you, and yet you did not heed me? If you are in Christ... One of the ways it's helpful to remember how God is faithful is to sit down and make lists. What has God done for you? God has pulled you out of your sin through Christ. God has provided for all your needs through Christ and through the working of the Holy Spirit. God cares for you. God the Father knows you and has a plan for you. God comforts you. He has given you the Holy Spirit so that when you mourn, you are never alone, but God is with you. In our times of wandering where it feels like we are in our wilderness, in those times of life, God acts to remind us, to form us, that we might be acutely aware of his presence and of his faithfulness. And so God, as God brought his people through the wilderness, so he will bring us through our wildernesses. Then we move on to find that God gives a map of what he's about to provide for Israel. We get the sense from verses 3 and 4 that the land had already been given to him, to the people. As he says, I have given you this land but they had not yet received them. There's a completion and a not yet to it. And this is the reality which you and I live in today. We have been given citizenship in the kingdom of heaven, but we have not yet received it in full. But like he gives to Joshua a map of the land which he's about to give him, he gives us a map which shows us the glory of the land which we will receive. This map comes in Revelation chapter 21, as he spells out what new Jerusalem will be like. He writes, then came those seven angels. He writes through St. John, then came those seven angels full of the last seven plagues and spoke to me saying, come and I will show you the bride of the Lamb." And he carried me away in the spirit to the great high mountain and showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down from heaven from God. The new Jerusalem is the church. And the new age, she will radiate like gems. She will be God's glory before all people. It is described as having the radiance of the glory of God like the most rare jewels, like jasper and clear crystal. It will have a great high wall and twelve gates, gates of the twelve angels, and on those gates the names of the twelve tribes and of the sons of Israel were inscribed. 
on the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had the twelve foundations on them, the twelve names of the twelve apostles, and the name of the law, of the Lamb. Christ builds this city upon the teachings of the Lamb and the Apostle. And this is what we are built upon, built up upon. And then then St. John goes on to describe this city as being massive. He measured the city and it was 1,200 stadia. If you don't know what a stadia is, which I suspect most of us don't, it's basically the size of the Midwest. This new city is massive because it encompasses all who are in Christ. There is room for people from every tongue and every nation to reside in this new city. There is room for the millions that have come before us, for those who dwell now and those who will come after we are gone. There is room in the city for every saint. He goes on to describe the walls as being like jas- being built of jasper. Well, the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation of the walls were the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth oynix, the sixth canerial, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth crystal phrase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amorous. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. There's two reasons now why St. John sees it this way. First, we use precious materials were used not as a sign of opulence as a king might do it so that he can show off to his friends and families, but because, but as a sign of how precious that city is to God, how precious and glorious it is. But there's something more. Gold is used to pave the streets. Now we use asphalt, which comes and goes, but gold is used because even in the kingdom of heaven, the most precious stone is less precious than the people that make it up. The most precious stone is used for things like asphalt in, the, in our age. Think about that beauty. But then we go on. And I don't know how many of you remember that terrible John Lennon song, Imagine. It is really terrible, by the way, which describes a dystopian future. In that song, of course, there is no temple. But the city also has no temple. But there's a reason for that. The city has no temple because the Lord God and the Almighty, the Almighty and the Lamb reside in the city with his people. There's no longer a temple where God resides separated from his people, but to remind him that he is their God. Now he resides with them. His people have a physical relationship with him. In Christ, <clears throat> and the final part, that we read here is of gates that never close. The gates never close because evil 
has been put to death. There's no reason to close the gate because there's nothing to assault the city. But only the goodness of God resides. This is our end destination. It has already been secured for those who are in Christ. In Christ, this promised land is our promised citizenship. You are invited into that. But we, like Joshua, stand waiting to enter it. And God makes him a promise. He tells him, I will not leave you or forsake you. But this is a promise to all of us as we make our way towards that eternal city. I will not leave you. As we read earlier, Israel has been given evidence of this fact. They are merely being reminded. Our weekly communion is a simple and small act of God's faithfulness to us. He meets us there and invites us back into a relationship with him. He meets us there and invites us back. But also our reminder of his deeds within our life, that list that you might make that says, that reminds you of your salvation, that reminds you of ways that God has provided for you when it seemed like nothing else would provide. We are reminded he will not leave us. He will not leave you. Therefore, be strong and courageous. St. Paul talks about in one place how in his weakness God has used it as strength. In your weakness, Christ's strength is made manifest. Your strength is in Christ. Therefore, in Christ, be strong. Put him on even when when you feel weak. And be courageous. Because just like that sports team that knows that they are the winner, that has already been crowned in victory, you have been granted victory in Christ. You have been granted victory over your sin. You have been granted victory such that no evil can snatch you away from Christ. In Christ, you are victorious. Put Christ on and allow him to be strong in your weakness. Allow him to grant you the victory. Remember, the battle is won The victory is already gained. And then God commands Israel to be obedient to the law. He tells them, do not turn away from the law. But we know from St. Paul's writing or personal experience, if we're humble, that we do turn away from the law. We do forsake the law, but Christ did not. Christ secures for us what we fail to do. He was perfectly obedient to the law for us. And so he transforms our hearts so that we can learn obedience. And meditate upon the law, he tells them, day and night. Let God's words form you. Let God's words Turn you so that you might reflect Christ in this world. 
I was reading something recently, and it said, you know, the more you give this Sunday, the more likely it is that your team will win. <laughs> All right, good. I'm really glad you laughed at that. You can try it, by the way. I, I won't discourage you from trying it, but, but that's not how this works. Because he does say to them that if you're obedient, there will be success. But that's not what it means. And so often we kind of have it spelled out to us like that. If you're obedient, if you give more, you'll have more, so on and so forth. The reality is, it's that you are growing in Christ. Your success is that you are more and more inheriting the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't have to do with your favorite sports team winning. It doesn't have to do with the fact that you get the car that you like or the house that you want. Although we are called to be thankful for such gifts, success is the fact that God is bringing us into the kingdom of heaven. The success when he talks about this is that they will inherit that land which was promised to them for their forefathers, for generations upon generations. And our success when we abide in Christ, when we meditate day and night upon his word, when we have Christ put upon us that our hearts are transformed, is that we become citizens of that kingdom. Day by day, being transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ. Therefore, be strong and courageous. If you are in Christ, the Lord is with you wherever you go. The Lord has given you the gift of the Holy Spirit that he reside in you and transforms you. The Lord is with you, whether he brings you into a harsh and hard land or brings you into a field of plenty. The Lord is with you. As you've noticed, our frontal and my stole and so on has been changed to purple. If you're astute, you know this is because we're entering into the pre-Lenten season, and before you know it, Lent will be here. And if you're like me, before you know it, Easter will be here. But Lent is our march towards Easter. Lent is our march towards Calvary, towards the death of Christ, and towards the resurrection of Christ. In Lent, we march towards this. In Lent, we are reminded that there is a battle over our soul. We are reminded then to be strong in Christ, for the victory has already been won, because we know the end of the story. We know how Lent ends. Christ dies on the cross, but it doesn't end there. Christ is raised on the third day. And so although we enter into that season of fasting, that season often feels hard, and full of struggle, we know the end. Christ has died, and Christ is risen. Christ tells us that you may hear of wars, and if you are paying attention to the news, we may very well hear of war sooner rather than later. Christ tells us that you may hear of earthquakes, of tumults, and of horrors. But you who are in Christ are called to be strong and courageous. Be strong because you know 
There is nothing that can snatch you away from Christ. Be courageous because you know the victory is Christ's. Do this so that you may glorify Christ. For For your victory has already been won. Your citizenship in the new Jerusalem, in the new kingdom, has already been secured. Be strong and courageous. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost.